Welcome to the Extras Podcast, where we respond to the questions you sent in during the Sunday Sermon. Hi, my name is Sophie and I will be the new host for the Extras Podcast. I think this is a great place to help us think deeper about what we hear on Sunday, to ask questions, to be intellectually curious, uh, and to stretch ourselves and keep coming back to the Bible to check that what we're hearing is true. And in this week's episode, I sit down with Peter to talk about what does it mean to ask God for his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's jump in. Well, welcome back, Peter, to the Extras podcast. This is now your second week with us this term. Hey, Soph. Good to be here. Nice to have you here. Uh, This week we looked at your kingdom come, your will be done as it is in heaven. Um, That's a few more words this week than uh, your last sermon. You've got 12 to work with. You've got uh, lots of questions today about uh, the kingdom, um, the future aspect of the kingdom, the present aspect of the kingdom. Um, Let's let's dive in. can you help us kind of understand that nuance there between that now and what God's kingdom is now on earth and the future aspect and what exactly it is that we're praying for when we ask for God's kingdom to come? Mm. So we talked a little bit about the timing of the kingdom and we were trying to wrestle with some of the different things that Jesus says about the kingdom uh, in the Bible. So, you know, he comes and he says, the kingdom, the time is fulfilled, uh, the kingdom is at hand or has come near or something, you know, words to that effect. So the kingdom is uh, very imminent with Jesus. Uh, and uh, there's also a sense of kind of, you know, futurity to the kingdom. Uh, so Jesus kind of says, oh, you know, in the in the future, we'll be in the kingdom together. And he often talks about the kingdom as something that's um, happening, you know, going to be, gonna belongs to the future. And I think it's important that we hold those things together. We have this common phrase, uh, now and not yet. I think this applies to the kingdom as well. The kingdom of God is something that Mm. uh, is now and is not yet here. Yeah, so it's it's both there. It's not as though when we pray, may your kingdom come, we're thinking about something um, specific now or something future, but actually both together. And we need to keep those ideas together and feel that tension between the now and the not yet. That's right. So when we pray uh, your kingdom come on earth as in heaven, uh, we can hope and expect for God to be answering that prayer now in our present reality. So uh, God's kingdom comes uh, in my heart and yours as we bow the knee to God, as we recognize that he is king, as we give over, uh, we submit to his lordship in our lives as we fight against sin. As people come to call Jesus Lord, the kingdom is coming on earth. Uh, And yet, and yet, uh, there's still a sense in which Jesus is not universally acknowledged as king. Not in my heart. There's parts of my heart that resist and fight against him still. And not in the world. There's still parts of the world that resist and refuse to acknowledge Jesus' kingship. So when we're calling on Jesus' kingdom to come on earth as in heaven, uh, that's something that we experience unfolding in our lives now but it's also where we're calling for the end of history to break in for the story to get wrapped up as every uh, knee shall bow and every tongue confess heaven and on earth 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hmm, helpful. Let's um, dig into that a little bit more then, particularly that future aspect that you're talking about. Uh, you mentioned in your sermon that uh, God's plan is to bring heaven on earth. Let's uh, dig into that. What did you mean by that phrase? Yeah, uh, so God's plan to bring heaven on earth. I've been on a bit of a kick lately talking about heaven as uh, you know not the place that we go when we die. You know, we often use heaven to describe our hope for the future. Of course, our hope for the future is real. Uh, the Christian hope is a hope that lasts beyond death and uh, eternal life. Uh, but the Bible doesn't really call that heaven. Uh, the Bible uses the word heaven in all kinds of ways. Uh, sometimes we get it as a pairing, you know, the heavens and the earth, as in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it seems that uh, you know, heaven is a way of talking about kind of different heavens and earth. They talk about different parts of the created totality of the world. That's kind of what it's getting at there. Um, sometimes heaven is the place where birds fly, as in later in Genesis one, the birds mm-hmm. fly across the face of the heavens. Or Abraham is asked to look up to the heavens and count the stars. That's right. Yeah. So kind of like the sky bit of mm. the world. Um, so and particularly heavens and earth seems to. Donate, uh, denote the, the totality of, of the creation, the kind of down bit that we live on and the up bit that we can see but not reach. Um, but heaven also gets spoken about uh, as sort of something that's uh, beyond the creation as we experience it, something not accessible, not visible to us, something it has to do with a kind of immediacy to God that we can't experience as creatures. And, and heaven is kind of by invitation only. Um, so you can't see into heaven unless heaven is split apart and so Stephen can see into heaven it's it's torn open and he can see up there um, John uh, John the, the elder gets called come up here and he goes up into heaven and he sort of sees what things are really like in this other place it's not a place he could get to even if he had a very tall ladder even you know the Bible is clear you know with it with a with a, a ladder or a rocket you can't get to heaven it's um, God's place mm. we go and they come in there by God's power uh, the end of the Bible story, the very end, it kind of has both of these usages of heaven together. Uh, it talks about uh, a new heaven and a new earth in Revelation 21. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So we've kind of got that pairing there, and it seems to be talking about a new creation there. The totality of the creation we experience being recreated, renewed by God. Uh, and then it adds... I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And so the new Jerusalem seems to be talking about people living together with God in the kind of blessedness for which they were made. Uh, now, this is a created reality. There needs to be a new heaven and a new earth for that to happen. But it's interesting, interesting the language there. I saw the city coming down out of heaven from God. Uh, heaven coming to earth. And I guess this is what I was trying to get at, that uh, what's true in God's reality, all uh, the redeemed gathered into the presence of God by the blood of the Lamb, becomes true in our earthly experience. And that's the the vision that we end with. Uh, All God's people gathered around the throne, enjoying blessedness and praising Him. And so that kind of heavenly reality, God's plan for all things, and what's already uh, true uh, 
that we perceive now by faith, but we don't experience fully now, uh, will become full in our earthly experience uh, when God brings the end. Yeah, so perhaps it's helpful then not to think about um, heaven as being too tightly associated with a physical place. You talked about the the heavens sometimes just being referred like another word almost for sky, mm. um, but also this, uh, I guess, the place where God is, but it's not at, not necessarily a physical place, although it might authors of the Bible might use physical words to attribute to it and describe it. Um, but thinking about that as, as God's um, kingdom, which then comes to earth, the part of a new creation, a new earth, and the new heavens. Would that say, Would you say that's accurate, or would you nuance it in parts there? Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, as just as you were talking, it made me remember just how tricky the um, the language can be. So heaven is kind of depicted as a place, but say Solomon when he prays his prayer, um, he says, you know, God, you look down from heaven, but God, even the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. And so mm. there's kind of you know, it's helpful to think of a place where God is, but then at the same time you need to say, okay, but God. God doesn't, you know, need a place. Uh, there's no place that can contain God. Heaven is not sort of where God lives. God doesn't need anywhere to live. He just lives. He is God. Um, but yeah, certainly when we're talking about uh, heaven coming to earth, we're not talking about um, some kind of cloudy, glowy place kind of descending uh, to earth. We're definitely not talking about everyone getting rid of their pesky bodies and flying around as spirits without bodies. None of that stuff. Uh, we're talking about God's plans uh, for the uh, for the real world that we inhabit and how he intends to renew those things for relationship with himself yeah helpful well uh, let's uh, keep kicking on um, perhaps now would be helpful to think a little bit more practically um, we talked about God's will and our own desires or our own wish list is the analogy that you gave us um, how do we know what a selfish desire is, particularly when we come across things that can be good, but we just don't know if they, if we're being selfish about that desire. Maybe it's whether to buy a house or not, or um, whether to take a certain job. How do we know when we're being selfish with our desires and whether or not they align with God's? Yeah, I and mean, that's, a, that's a good question. So we, we pointed to uh, God's will in the kind of the, the biggest, broadest sense on Sunday. So the will of God is the salvation of human beings through his son, uh, the Lord Jesus. And so really big picture, the will of God is crystal clear. Um, you know, God's will is for everyone to, to glorify Jesus with the appropriate glory. And uh, that's the great mystery that, you know, God's, God's plan has been revealed. And we're all working towards that. Now, we might think, well, that's, that's great. I would love a little bit more detail about uh, mm-hmm. some of the particulars of that. Um, and, you know, the Bible gives us some guidance on some of the, um, and so, some of the kind of uh, this worldly, the lived implications of how that ought to look. So, you know, one implication of that would be uh, if God's future for everybody is to join uh, around the throne in this great throng praising together from every tribe and tongue and nation, then uh, one outworking of God's will for us now is to um, engage in little uh, 
anticipatory realizations of that Sunday by Sunday as we get together and have a little taste of uh, I'm going to say heaven, <laughs> the new heavens and the new earth, uh, as we gather together uh, around the word of God and to, to praise and to worship God together. So, you know, uh, we, the Bible gives us some, some hints about uh, the shape of God's will for our lives, certain ways that we uh, act. Um, we often want to know, okay, um, should I join the music team or the morning tea team? Um, should I live in Pennant Hills or West Pennant Hills? What's God's will for me there? Mm. Uh, and I think at this point, you know, there's just uh, actually uh, the Bible doesn't clearly doesn't speak at that kind yeah. of level of detail. I've looked hard for West Pennant Hills in the Bible <laughs> and I can't find it. What a shock. Yeah. Uh, we have tremendous freedom, you know, within these kind of broad uh, contours of living for God. And uh, these become matters of wisdom. So we have guidance for the kinds of things that please God. And some of the details actually uh, were given uh, not a set of rules in the scriptures, but the mind of Christ to uh, act in wisdom, uh, to make our best judgments in the world about how best to honor him. Yeah, I had a, um, a, just very related to what you just said, uh, a verse from Romans chapter 12, um, when it says in verse 2, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will. Um, so I think it's it's letting uh, God's word keep shaping our hearts. And you mentioned this in your sermon as well. The things that we pray actually do shape our will and our desires and help them to align with God. But as you mentioned, there's not going to be those specific little rules of this is right and this is wrong and do this and do, don't do that. Um, but I, I often think the fact that we have to think and evaluate it for ourselves is in itself a gift from God and very helpful for us. Because I think if we did have the clear-cut answers all the time, then we wouldn't engage our hearts and our minds in thinking on it and praying on it and really evaluating it. And so even at times, perhaps we can get uh, confused or even frustrated that we don't have a clear answer. That's actually a good thing for us to sit in that tension and to be very thoughtful and very prayerful about the decisions that we make. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I'll put in a little plug here for a book that many listeners might have read already or at least uh, heard of or bought at one time at a conference Um uh, guidance and the voice of God uh, is a uh, is a great. Uh, it's a few uh, few years old now. It's going back well, a few decades really, um, but just a really helpful um, discussion of okay, what things has God made clear to us? Uh, what how has God revealed His will to us? And then how does wisdom uh, work within God's revealed will? Hmm. Let's uh, bring it back to prayer and uh, the Lord's prayer. A general question for us about pray, prayer is that we often ask, in Jesus' name we pray. That's some, or you know, we pray this in Jesus' name or by your name. Mm. Um, why is that, and and how does that work with the ancient Israelites or even uh, Jesus's followers and hearers in praying to God before his death and resurrection? How did people pray in the Old Testament? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, they didn't pray in Jesus' name. Because, uh, you know, the name of Jesus hadn't been revealed. Jesus was not born. Jesus was born at a point in time, the right time, but uh, not yet born. 
Um, however, in an important sense, you know, uh, if as as human beings we can only draw near to God through Jesus, as there's there's one mediator between God and human beings, and that holds true not only subsequent to the birth of Jesus, but also prior to the birth of Jesus as well. And so, you know, when we meet Jesus in the Bible, we meet him as the fulfillment of something that has been promised for a long time, something that's been foreshadowed for a long time. Um, so, you know, the, uh, the Bible, when it says uh, the time has come, uh, when Jesus arrives, when Jesus comes and says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, um, he's literally saying, um, the time is fulfilled. It's, it's, God has come good on something he's been promising to do for a long time. Mm. And so we oughtn't to think of those who put their trust in God prior to Jesus uh, as lacking Jesus. Jesus is hidden to them, uh, hidden by time he's not yet born uh, but he's given in promise he's he's promised by God and those who lay hands uh, lay lay their their hands on those promises uh, who put their trust in God mm. the God of the promise um, are putting their trust in Jesus unbeknownst to them uh, this is uh, why you know Jesus will say things like um, you know, your 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 father Abraham rejoiced to see my time. Hmm. There's in the sense in which uh, Abraham is hoping in Christ, uh, even though Christ is hidden to him, he's hoping in the God of the promise, the God who will finally uh, come good on his promise by sending his Son, uh, Christ, in whom all the promises of God are yes and amen. And so, uh, yeah, we we. We ought to think of what Jesus does as the, the center of history. It has incredible impact on all of us who come after him. Uh, but it's not actually limited to those who come after. It also extends to those who went before. Mm, yeah, very helpful. I guess the, it, your language there of promise is also quite helpful because God commits himself to people through his promises, through his covenants. And so... Um, those that he has made promises to, they have a uh, a confidence to call on God on that promise. It brings us back to our, our last chat together, Peter, when we were talking about calling God as Father um, and the, the confidence that we have in calling God our Father because of the relationship that he has with us, that he's committed himself to. Um, but for those in the Old Testament, God still committed himself in a, in a relationship with them, whether it was as their king of, of Israel or in the way that he made promises to Abraham um, in such a way that people could call on the name of God. Um, but how much more do we have confidence in Jesus' name as the one who has brought us to God and mediates between us and God um, and brings us to him as his children um, to God? So, yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, there's a tremendous privilege for us as New Testament believers. Uh, so, you know, the Old Testament faithful are not barred off from God's yeah. grace, no way. Um, but uh, what we have is uh, clear, solid, manifest uh, in a way that it was not to them. Um, 
maybe maybe these words from the end of Romans are helpful. Uh, Paul talks about his gospel. He says, that's the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ. In keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past. So been around for a long, long time, mm. hidden, but now revealed, now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. And so what was written was written about Jesus, hidden, but now revealed by God, who's the eternal God, um, and whose son is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Very helpful, Peter. Let's uh, end it there. Thank you for coming on the extras again and uh, letting me put you through the ringer. Um, yeah, you've been very helpful in helping us think deeper about what it means to pray to God, your kingdom come, your will be done as it is in heaven. Thanks, Soph. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening in to the Extras podcast. Let me encourage you that if you've never asked a question before during the sermon, give it a go this week. Try and stretch your intellectual curiosity Uh, think, go back to the Bible, check what's true and ask us a question for next week. Check in with you then. Bye.